Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm super excited today to bring our guest in because I read about this amazing young person. I, I actually probably sort of insulted her and called her a kid when I first spoke to her, but like she's a lot younger than I am. So to my mind, she is a kid, but an amazing young woman who is doing all sorts of incredible things in the world of entre- entrepreneurship. She's also a dancer, dance mom here. So I was really into that. Um, and currently a student at Drexel University in the midst of all of this. So Paige Lee D'Angelo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on today. And don't feel offended for calling me a kid. I get it. I still feel like a kid, even though I'm headed out into the real world now. So it's okay. Well, I appreciate that because if ever anybody calls me girl, I'm like, all right, I'll take that. I'll take girl as long (laughs) as as anybody wants to throw that at me. I'm not going to be one of those people who's insulted by that kind of stuff. So I appreciate that. So you are currently a student at Drexel. And I read about you in the Philadelphia Inquirer because you created one of the most amazing, to my mind, inventions. And it is a a water-soluble mascara tablet that goes into a sustainably made container that you just refill with the tablet. Is that right? Yeah. So about two years ago at Drexel, I actually had the idea to come up with this mascara and I can get a little bit into this story later, but basically I created this tablet. It's water soluble and it allows you to refill your makeup rather than buying a new unit each time. And then the container is dishwasher safe. So basically it's a complete waste-free cosmetic process. Wow. Wow. Krista was like, I was telling her about this. She's like, I need this. (laughs) That's coming soon. It's coming soon. Okay. So, so you, you got to talk. This is so funny that we're interviewing you today because I was just on, on a a two city tour thing, back to back conferences and, and my mascara started to run out and I was like, oh no, 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 (laughs) no. And it was like cities where I didn't even have time to go run down to some CVS or something and get something new. Plus I can't stand all of the the bottles and stuff. So, so was it a moment of panic like I had, or did you, did you have a theory here? How did this come to be? So my whole life, as I mentioned, I've been a dancer. And with that, as you know, Mary comes with a lot of makeup, a lot of makeup. (laughs) And my dad always, he tells me now, I wish he thought of this 10 years ago, it would have saved me a lot of money at this, the pharmacies from buying all this mascara. So I've always been really into sustainability and meteorology. That's actually what I came to Drexel for, was meteorology and journalism. And I was researching and reporting on individual waste for our TV show. 
And that's kind of when it hit me. I was doing a live show actually, and I was telling everybody different ways that they could be more sustainable, how they can reduce their individual waste. And then the camera closed and I was like, that did not feel right. I just know how much waste my makeup is producing. So that was kind of the first aha moment. Then I went to Google just to look for my own like moral, like healing to look for a product for myself. (laughs) And I couldn't find anything. And they always say like entrepreneurs have that one aha moment where they just know like, I'm about to take 10 years out of my life to do this, aren't I? And that was my moment. So I knew, okay, I had this idea. There should be some type of tablet. I was looking for it myself and I couldn't find it. So I went to CVS that night with my roommate. I looked up like ingredients for DIY mascara formulas we got the ingredients. It was, I spent like my last $20 on all the formula ingredients and I got, went to work and I had my first prototype that day, that same day. Oh my god! You're gosh, kidding. That's incredible. Yeah. It took me 12 hours. There's mascara residue all over my apartment and <gasps> we definitely, I put it on my eyes. Nothing bad happened. It's definitely <laughs> far from the formula that I have um, now that's finished, but it was, it worked. So that's when I knew I could, I could pursue it. Well, the thing that I love about this story is when we, when Kristen and I talk about brilliance and resilience, and and they really, the two of them really, really do go hand in hand. Um, one of them always sort of feeds the other, kind of like it's it's always a chicken or the egg kind of a thing with brilliance and resilience because you know like you'll have this moment, but it's usually because you're solving another another problem. And yeah. that whole piece of, of resilience really fits so well in with this idea of sustainability, because we really have to figure out ways to, you know, make sustainable products and not create more waste. But I don't think anybody really, people are always attacking the big things, but these small things that we use every single day, if we can be conscious of that and you creating something like that it really opens a whole new world up into that area of sustainability. Did you kind of find that people were saying, oh my gosh, like I never thought of a refillable mascara when you brought this product out? Yeah. So I started getting like immediate validation. And actually I found out that my university Drexel has a co-op opportunity where you can pitch your idea and they award like two or three scholarships a year, allowing a student to work on their business full-time with a grant scholarship. So I found out about that within like two weeks of coming up with the idea. I had like my business writing, my pitch deck, my everything media K. I pitched the idea and I actually got it. And that's when kind of the feedback started. I started talking to people about this and everyone was like, I don't know why the companies haven't done this yet. And so I thought, okay, why haven't they done it yet? You know, they're they're pretty smart, you know. They haven't, they're not yes, new to this. They like, are, but why it's haven't they done it yet? <laughs> so that was an important question. And I realized I think everyone was just kind of tunnel vision and what sustainability meant. The formula is so easy to change, not easy, but it's very easy for a big corporation to change and make it vegan, cruelty-free, organic. And that kind of gets you the check bar checkbox of is it sustainable? And I'm also a public relations major, so I look into like the marketing and the wording of everything a lot. And I realized, okay, that is like, that's where everyone's headed in sustainability and towards of cosmetics. Nobody has like reinvented the wheel of like, and they don't need to, you know, mascara is the number one selling cosmetic tool. There's, it's a billion dollar market. There's not really a need to 
go in and reinvent it and change it. So I guess it was just my turn to kind of figure out how to do it. And that was one of the issues and what kind of what you're saying with brilliant and resilient. I didn't have, I mean, I'm a college student. I didn't have the funds to pay somebody to do this. And I actually made that mistake. The first person that I tried to contact was L'Oreal's manufacturer. I tried to get in contact with them. I was doing anything. I didn't know where to go, what to do. So I just went to the biggest people that I knew. And obviously I didn't even get to the to them without like a prior approval, but I was doing anything I could. And I realized I'm going to have to do it myself. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know cosmetic chemistry or, or how to CAD engineer or anything. And that's kind of where I said, everything's figure outable. You just have to put the work into it. I'm interested to know, you know, I'm hearing you. I mean, I'm, I'm like dumbfounded here that you're 22 years old and have this confidence to to go to L'Oreal to say, hey, I can change this industry. I can. Where did all this confidence come from? Is this 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 just been you that, oh, I see a problem. I'm going to fix it. Have you always been that way? Have you always just tackled something that comes your way? Or was that something that that you built along the way somehow? Yeah, I definitely think it's something that was instilled in me from a very young age. Um, my parents always joked that like when I went to high school, I just like burst the doors open and was like, all right, what can I change? What can I do? <laughs> And that's just always who I've been. I mean, I am a dancer. And if you know competitive dancing, I've been training in interviews and in pageants since I was 10 years old. So since I was 10, I've learned like how to be the best version of myself. And I guess that kind of gave me the confidence. I will say I was never totally confident in like that I was going to change the industry and that I was this product was going to work because you really don't know. But I was confident in myself to at least give it my best shot. And that's just what I've been doing. And it's been working, but it's only been more motivation to just keep going at it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because Kristen and I are big believers in not being married to an outcome. So at some point, you know, you have this great idea, you 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 figure out somehow or another how to get it to some some level of fruition. But at the end of the day, you really don't know where it's going to go. So did you feel that like even despite that with each part of this process, because you are you're part of the entrepreneurial program now, did you also look at this as a whole big, hey, I'm just learning everything I can at this point And who because who knows when you're going to be able to use it? Yeah, I definitely took it. I mean, day by day, I kind of see things as like little goals. So for me, I just wanted it to be like in my hands and done and the product to be in my hands. I wasn't even really looking at like the giant picture. Of course, I am looking long term, but really in my head, I just wanted to finish the product. And what I didn't know is that every step that I was taking to do that was creating this entire brand around me. So I was applying for competitions and I was traveling around the country, pitching to different people, meeting different people, networking. And I'm not a business major, so it's not like I prepared for this, but it's kind of what happened. I acclimated to the situations I was in and in turn, like everything else just kind of fell into its place while I was just focusing on getting this product done. Um, so yeah, I was chipping away at little pieces. All right, who do, how do I find a manufacturer? Call like all these people do you know where I can get a manufacturer? And that's kind of how it fell into place. It's just chipping away. Man, Paige, you're echoing a lot of guests that we've had on lately. Have It just seems like almost everybody lately is saying this concept of bit by bit, right? It's one next right thing at a time, bit by bit. Instead of instead of looking at the huge, I mean, we, we met um, 
Rob Angel, that that creative Pictionary, that super fun, you know, like biggest game ever, right? He says the same thing. It was like, okay, he wasn't out to create the biggest game in the world of all time. He just wanted to go one next thing at a time to see this thing come to fruition. And I think that's the piece that keeps a lot of people stuck and don't achieve these brilliant things that they do. It's like, oh, wait, could I? Because it is overwhelming to think, oh my gosh, I'm going to change an entire industry. Yeah, let me just go to CVS and look a few things up, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I also wanted to point out that not only are you doing it bit by bit, I think this is brilliant. We haven't had anybody on here yet to talk about this, that you started as a dancer and you're using skills from all of that experience in this real life changing the world. And I can tell you, I know, listen to our listeners. I know a lot of you are out there going, what? Those mm -hmm. dance competitions have this kind of an impact? Yes, they do. A lot of times you'll hear about, oh, all the, I feel like it's always out there when you're on a sports team and you excel in sports and learn teamwork. Yeah, that's wonderful too. But these these little bit more individual types of things, especially dance, that gets a lot of criticism about pressure and perfection. Well, you're learning all these things along the way, and I love it. Then you come into this with a with a belief in yourself. And I I just putting out a children's book about that's where it all stems from. Believe in yourself, and then and then your brilliance and resilience can really shine. You're exemplifying that. Yeah, I definitely think that one huge part of dance and i will say there's like there is pressure in the industry of just dance competitions but what i learned and the most important and valuable lesson is that like i determine my own outcome so with dance my teachers always said and i have to shout out my dance studio ovations dance studio from home and my teacher redogged and she instilled so many of these lessons into me but basically she told me I can tell you what the critique and how to correct and how to do the turn over and over and over again. But until you move the muscles in your body, you're not going to fix it. And that was something that was so huge for me growing up. I realized at a very young age that if I want something, I have to create it myself and I can't just wait around. You know, no one's going to do it. If I really want to hit that turn and nail it, I know I have to squeeze my core. You know, I, that's nobody could do it for me. And that's a huge part of building a startup, I realized that nobody was really on my side. You know, I'm, well, I was 19 when I started this. I had no idea what was going on. You know, L'Oreal was laughing at me. And I realized, okay, nobody's going to be in my corner until I prove that I can do this. So I have to do it myself until it's it's proven. Until it's proven. And that's kind of what I've been doing. And and I think people started to get the memo <laughs> and I was serious about it. <laughs> Well, you know, it's so funny because as I said to you earlier, dance mom here and 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 Kristen, not necessarily being a dance mom, but having a, a daughter who was, you know, in sports and all that, you really do see the way that those kind of leadership and take charge and I just got to get this done and get it over the finish line. Those things are can be instilled in you unconsciously. Like yeah. nobody's standing there when you're in dance going, okay, I'm gonna help you build your leadership skills now. You know, let's just so, but it you, you absorb that and you do recognize, okay, yeah, we we're a troop, we're a dance team, you know, we're competing as a team, but I have to bring it. Like I, I have to bring it. So there's that level of of awareness intent and responsibility which which i think is essential to any successful life but certainly especially in entrepreneurship so this idea of transferring that skill set is something that really appeals to us 
Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I didn't even realize how much of an impact it had on my life because I was still dancing. I mean, I basically just retired. I just finished out my last season on Drexel's dance team. Um, not done yet. I'm going to try out for other teams when I graduate. But that's when it started to all kind of marinate and hit me that, wow, like dance growing up, like really taught me so many different skills and qualities at time management, leadership, independency, and all of those things I'm so grateful for because I don't think this business would have happened if it weren't for them. Yeah, I'm also, really I'm, go ahead. Okay. No, I was going to really, the mental health piece. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead with your point. And then I have a different one. Yeah. So I was just thinking, Kristen and I have been talking a lot about this mental health issue with, you know, with students, with college students, with young people and all of that. Um, first of all, did you encounter that while you were in school? And second of all, Again, going back to dance and going back to the things that you did and going back to that creativity, which I think is also a piece that we didn't mention in the in the dance piece of it there. Do you think that that kind of helped you to maintain some stability because you were in college right in the mess of COVID and everything else? So in terms of mental health, did those things help you, do you think? Yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster, I will say, and it hasn't been easy. I mean, anyone that has experienced, everyone's experienced this, this these last couple of years, this transition and adjustment and being in college during them was definitely, uh, definitely stripped you away of everything you already knew. So that was one thing I will say is that when dance was taken away from me for those, I guess, a year and a half, two years, and it was virtual, the biggest thing was that that I had to learn, like, dance was taken away. Now, something that I've had my entire life, and this was before the business, something that I've had my entire life that I've dedicated my whole life to, that I've worked on, that I've been so passionate about is now gone. Like, who am I? And that was like the first crisis that I've I've had. It was like, okay, this is real, you know, like anything could happen. And I need to figure out who I am just like at the core of me without dance, because dance is an external thing. You know, although it is a part of me, it's it's external and it could change at any moment. So I really had to dive deep and figure out like what my passions were, what I was interested in and how to apply those things and the same things that I love about dance. I love being independent. I love being creative. I love working on something and like seeing it like progress and all those things kind of transferred over to like what I'm doing now. But there's definitely been moments where I guess I think being alone and being a student, it's been the hardest because all my friends, you know, not all of them, my friends are very hardworking. Some of them, you know, they have their majors and they're working really hard at them. And then, you know, the weekend comes and everything else is gone. They did their homework. They're good to go. And then for me, it's like, all right, my major, like I'm working on it. I've got my homework done, but like I have a pitch competition on Monday and I need to figure out what my margins are. And I've never even looked at like a financial statement sheet in my life. And it's like <laughs> that kind of pressure and just like being on my own through that. Cause again, no one's going to pull you through it. No one's going to like hold your hand along the way. So that was like really hard. And I definitely had some breakdown moments, but something my boyfriend always told me, he's like, take a deep breath and focus on one thing you can do right now. Spend five minutes on one thing you can do right now. And then you'll see. And every single time I do that, I just, I pick up the pieces. So yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely transferred those skills over and they've helped me through that whole situation. Awesome tip. One thing at a time when you feel like there's 957 things going on. Yeah. yeah. One thing at a time, then you don't, then you don't stay stuck. And you, you were talking about something that I really want to have land with, with 
especially with parents that are listening, because we have a lot of parents and, and a lot that are parents of young adults and, and teens that something was taken away, taken away from you. There's a lot of people during COVID and still now that are still bitching about that, right? I had all this and it's gone and I want it back and they're not moving forward because of that. And you took that time to to almost not necessarily grieve the loss, but you at least let the loss sit in, the, that recognizing it, right? And we always talk about you can, un, you can visit that place of anger, but you can't unpack your bags. So you pack new bags and said, what else do I have? And I think that this is important that parents need to understand, the, um, your parents didn't swoop in and say, yep, let's sit together and talk about how horrible this is and all the money we wasted on dance and now you can't do it, right? <laughs> there was none of that which I think parents need to understand instead give the space and the grace to say, okay, what, what am I made of? What else do I have? And I wanted to bring this up because it's not just, okay, COVID stopped your dance career for a while. There's also athletes that have massive injuries, right? They can't then play the sport for my son. My two sons um, are blind and they were able to play sports for a long time. And my oldest, when that had to stop for safety, we did, he did the same thing. Let me think about what it is. What else? What other talents? And his music career launched at that point. Like there's, yes, it's hard when something has to end or pause. But man, the way you described it so eloquently of sitting in that, okay, what else am I, what am I really made of? Yeah. And then all of this, it's like we say that innovation comes, is born of frustration, right? And then you come along with something else. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, I felt a pressure growing up to kind of put myself in a box. And I feel like everyone, like our, my peers all felt the same pressure. Like people know me as, oh, you're that dancer girl with the makeup company. And I, of course, identify with those things because they are my whole life. But during that time, I really realized that like every individual is something so much more meaningful, like on the inside. And if you can't like dive into that, like, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of strength and courage to like really strip everything away and not like, cause I could just work hard, you know, I could fill up my schedule and then I don't have to think about anything else. You know, I don't have to think about my feelings. And I've done that before. Trust me. I'm, I'm, a, that's my go-to is just to fill up my schedule and forget about it. But at the end of the day, anything could happen with dance and injury, you know, and like you mentioned, it's anything could happen at any time. So it's really important that you look in with yourself and find peace there first and then go out. That's that. This is brilliant advice from a 22 year old young woman. Because I'm just sitting here going, yeah, she's right about that. <laughs> it's really smart. I know. I'm thinking about when I was in college, I wasn't coming up with these kinds of things or sustainable makeup. <laughs> yeah, we had none of these gems. Well, I, I yeah, it, it just was not the same. But, you know, everything that you're talking about, I think, we still have to get a couple of years maybe away from COVID, but for those people who sit with it, and as Kristen said, you sit and you recognize what's going on. And then as you did, you you look at the whole of the experience. You don't look at just those, those crappy, you know, crappy times when you lost stuff because other things also came out of that. And I think this whole um, level of creativity and innovation and all of that, a lot of that had its germination in some really crappy times when you couldn't have your regular creative outlet. 
And like, I'm looking at your story and there's, there's, you know, your, your communications and you talked about meteorology and, you know, all of these things. And now you're in entrepreneurship and you just, Hey, what the heck? I'm going to make a makeup, you know, but it's possible. And this idea of, I think everybody starts out in a box or two, because you kind of want to figure out and identify yourself. Everybody wants to belong to something, but mm-hmm. we have to recognize is that, that those boxes are not made of concrete walls. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a place to sit for a while, but go outside, open the doors and see what other boxes are there. Yeah. That was such a hard lesson for me to actually overcome because so one thing about me is I hate being like unreliable. I think I just like as a child, I think I put a lot of pressure on myself and I hated being unreliable. I just like if I so when I was in fifth grade, I decided I want to be a meteorologist. I want to be the next Susarian Cecily Tynan. Like that's who I want to be. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the clouds. I'm obsessed with the weather. And actually something interesting is it's like people started identifying me with that. So people would send me pictures of clouds, be like, oh, I thought of you. And people would always be like, oh my God, Paige, look outside. Like, it looks amazing. Like, what's the weather going to be? And I got so much validation from them identifying me with something that it made me want to pursue it more and more and more. And it got to a point where how much of this am I pursuing because other people want me to do it and versus how much am I pursuing it because my fifth grade old self like made that her dream and I couldn't really identify that but I said hey I'm gonna go to college for it anyways and see it through and of course I still love the weather but I think I realized that I was too afraid to let other people down and to let their perception of me down and to change it that I was going to stick out this career for that reason and that was like probably the biggest life 180 for me like this is your, that's when I realized this is your life page and like other people have their own lives too, you know, if they'll be, and there are people disappointed. Uh, let me tell you, when I switched my major, there were people that were like, oh man, like I thought you were going to be the next weather girl. I already told my friends that that was what you're doing. And I just had to, you know, bite that and be like, hey, you're doing what you love. So I think that's like a valuable lesson too, because that could happen at any point in your life, you know, that could happen when you're 50 and you get laid off and you're afraid to tell your friends and family like, oh, I'm changing, I'm doing something different, you know, but it's something you have to just sit in uncomfortable and find the good from it. Oh, I appreciate your words so much. And I mean, even just think about this on a, on a, even a a parallel level, how many people stay in, in marriages for a long time? Because that was the story that, you know, you, you get married and that's what you do. And, and then, you don't even belong in that relationship anymore, right? But they're staying in it or long-term relationships or or like you're saying, jobs just because that's what they identified with. I mean, I watched my daughter at 12 years old walk away from soccer that we had done our entire life. She had, I had just taken her to meet Carly Lloyd. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> now we're going into basketball. Mom doesn't know what to yell about with basketball because I got nothing there. And she's having the time of her life with basketball and that's what she's pursuing in college. And I watch her just light up on that basketball court, but she made that decision when a lot of hard stuff was happening in her life with soccer. And I was so happy that she had that confidence. And that's another thing I want to have landing with people that you don't have to be in the box or, or the, what do they always say? The you're writing your own story. Right. And then, and so to, to your point, if, if people have been letting others or just following the story that was told for a while about you, you get to just say the end, flip the page. Guess what? Here's a new story. 
<laughs> distracted. Look at this company. Look at this company. Yeah. <laughs> and while I'm doing this over here, I'm thinking about what I'm doing over there. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. So just real quick, I want to touch on the entrepreneurship piece of this. You really had to then, you know, the, the, the creating the product was one thing, but then bringing it to market is a whole other thing. So you really had to use yet another part of a skill set in terms, I imagine, you know, researching and figuring things out and who do I go to and how do I get the money and all that to put a team together? Because at the end of the day, to your own point of admission, you didn't know much about a lot of this stuff. So then how did you go about building this team? Yeah, so that was honestly my one of my biggest fears when I was developing the company was because I can I kind of am like a perfectionist, I guess. And I was afraid to give up, um, give up a part of the company, give up responsibility, because after two years of doing it all on my own and proving to people that I could do it on my own. Now it was time for other people to work on it. That was like a really hard shift for me to make. So I always told myself I'm going to wait for the right people to come to me with their passions and their inspirations about it because then they can bring a whole other side to it. You know, something I didn't see yet because I've been working on this just myself. I think my first year I like was like, oh, what do I do? And I like had some extra cash from a competition and I hired an intern to like work with me. And then they were like, well, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I don't know. What do you want to do? Like, what, how do, <laughs> how can you help me? And that's when I realized, okay, Paige, like wait till somebody who like knows what they want to do for you comes along. So that's kind of how I built the team. And I worked with people that want to work on this and that want to do this. And of course my dad, he's my CFO and he's just, he just kind of got roped into this, but and he's <laughs> happy to be here. And um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess, partnering with different, com- I work with a freelance formulations uh, company in Florida. They basically have like taken over all that. They were super excited about the idea, took over like all the manufacturing of like the solution, the tablets and everything. And then my aunt, connected me with some people for the product designing. So just it, it, it fell into place a little bit, I will say. Well, this has been such a delightful conversation and we could go on and on and on because you really are an inspiring uh, young lady. I won't call you Thank a kid you. now. I mean, you've graduated <laughs> from kid. Thank you. Throughout this last 30 minutes. Throughout I this know. last 30 minutes, you went from <laughs> right over sliding boards to the, you know, flying the plane. Yes. I mean, it's still great. Be kid. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but really so many points of your story have touched on so many of the things that we talk about in Brilliantly Resilient. And we're especially happy to hear from a young person who really has had to really live through all the struggles of COVID and came out on the other side using all these things that we talk about. You know, we talk about controlling the controllables and, you know, living with your your values and your passion and what you want to see in this transferable skills. So you've really personified that. So I want to thank you for that. And two things. Tell everybody where they can find you. And if there's anything you want to leave people with is a little last bit of inspiration here. Yeah. So we, I actually just launched my website as my senior project. It's aircosmetics.co. And you can find me on Instagram at Paige D'Angelo. And there you could see all the updates on the company and updates on my dance career and my life. Um, I guess the last bit of inspiration is something I always say is Take any point of your life and make it vulnerable. Closed doors are just as big big of a blessing as open doors. And just really work with what you got. Everything is figure outable. Closed doors are just as valuable as open doors. Oh my gosh, you just made all of my hairs, even the gray ones that I haven't colored yet, are all standing up. That is 
that exemplifies a lot of, of my journey and lots of journeys that if you look at it that way, oh my goodness. Thanks for that page. Can we get the mascara on that website? Yes. Yeah. So I'm launching it to market this August. Right now I'm waiting to press the go button and basically just like order all my inventory and stuff. Um, but yeah, this August we're putting it to market. Oh so man. Exciting. All right. We're going to be your, we're going to be your older market models. Yes, and we are. And, yes, and we show are. that and, up. Yeah. Make sure you, when you let us know when this is ready to market, so we can share it all over our Facebook group page oh, and feel you. free to put all your info on there because people are going to love your story and want to get hold of this product. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Love it. Thanks so much for being here, Paige. Thanks everybody for tuning in. If you'd like to get a dose of Brilliantly Resilient delivered right to your inbox every week, sign up for our Brilliance Bit at BrilliantlyResilient.net and you'll actually hear from Paige in a Brilliance Bit coming out when the episode airs. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.